you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Predicted this would happen. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm coming to you from a city filled with heroes and bunkers. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, happy Monday. I love Mark? Mondays. I love Mondays. I mean, I, you know what I I'm sensing a little bit in my own life that that special feeling you get on a Monday, um, slightly disoriented, uh, not really wanting to o- awaken or get out of bed. Um, I had that feeling this morning. It kind of was a feeling of normalcy. Hmm. Hmm. Nice rainy day here in LA, which I like, you know, as a little, uh, Little change of pace. It does feel like, you know, this is, I do not feel like I'm losing track of days because of our schedule. And we're writing during the week too. And because of the shows and we got the Friday show, which is kind of, you know, you can exhale after. I feel like we're, we're, we're kind of in the flow here. We're in a, we're in some sort of normalcy, which is not a bad thing. You think so? I mean, I never know where the weekends go. I don't even remember what I did with my weekend. Maybe it's partly because of the kids, too. That schedule is so different on the weekends because uh, they don't have homeschooling. So suddenly I don't really have, you know, we don't have shows. We don't have homeschooling. So it's it's way more free time. Yeah, I feel like Greg would be satisfied if a nuclear bomb landed in his front yard. But I I do not. (laughs) I feel slightly disenchanted with all things right now and uh I really need. But to how's that different than a normal May? You know, like that's that's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, I think the reasons Lakeisha, are reasons are a little different. Yes, Lakeisha had a Sessler, Wesley, uh, Chris, that the baby was coming this weekend. But the fact that you're sitting here with us tells me that didn't happen. <laughs> well, she's moved the goalpost a little bit on that one. She said that that was more of wishful thinking, and now the baby cannot come Tuesday because she does not want him to steal away uh, attention from our wedding anniversary, which is on the 19th. So Mm. he's got to come Wednesday or Thursday, but she thinks definitely this week. I think you're going to learn real quick that children don't do everything that you want all the time. And this may be the first (laughs) strike of rebellion. If he showed up right on that date, 
she's getting aggressive because she's 12 days out from the actual due date. So she's she's feeling some motherly intuition and you don't want to mess with that. Well, I don't also something something that gets increasingly marginalized as a married couple. Once kids enter the fray is your anniversary date. Yeah. All of a sudden you're in the middle of seven things. It's like, oh, we got married seven years ago today. That's cool. I'll defer to your uh, experience on this one, but she <laughs> claims that she is so large and and uh, so awkward right now that the baby just needs to come out. Yeah, to go. Yeah, got get it. Been there. Uh, hang in there, Lakeisha. The payoff will be marvelous when Cletus Wessling enters the world. Oh, we are still looking for a name. Still looking for a name. Hit up Wes on Twitter with suggestions. Uh, maybe you will name the child. It has to be a good one, though. No jokes. No bits. All right. Today's show. Got a lot to get to. Monday show. There's news to hit. Uh, also, we are going to do a bit of a deep dive here on the curious case of Cam Newton, the former MVP and still unrestricted free agent. A man looking for work. A man who, no doubt, is chomping at the bit to find a new team and start over after the Panthers opted to cut ties with him. Well, we're going to uh, open up the swing, open the courtroom doors and really break down the teams that make the most sense for Cam Newton and both sides of the case, why they should be these teams employing a quarterback with Newton's potential and history and also the flip side, the defense, why these teams have stayed away. So that's that's coming up. Also, at the end of the show, oh, yes, we're spinning the wheel, our new series uh, where we go team by team, or as long as this goes, who knows? Every Wednesday or every Wednesday-ish, we will do a deep dive on one team, and it is completely at random. We're going to spin a wheel. Ricky worked with our behind-the-scenes team at NFL Media to create a completely randomized wheel, and the team that it lands on will be the team we discuss in depth on Wednesday. We'll get to more of that uh, in a bit, but before that, let's do some news. I would like to see Brady with a big glass of whiskey, right, Mark? That would be good. Just tell him the truth. (laughs) Yes. Shiver my timbers. I mean, if there's ever a reason to watch the NFL Network version of the Around the NFL broadcast, it is to hear those gems from Mark Sessler. Mark, take us through the thought process of Shiver, shiver My Timbers there. Well, I think it was a lack of thoughts. I, I thought at that point, you know, <laughs> hey, the show is wrapping. Um, Dan's going to take us to break. You and were checked then out. <laughs> our, our show, you know, our weekend begins at that point, essentially. We know how that feeling is on on Friday. And suddenly you threw it to me and. I gave you that um, non-gem. Shiver my timbers. I don't think I've heard that phrase since watching Popeye as a child. I, I don't know what it, shiver me what it means. Shiver me timbers. But I never well, I really, right, I wasn't Greg. sure what that, that meant. Especially in the context of how Dan threw it to you. But I enjoyed it. <laughs> shiver well, my I have timbers. to apologize to all three of you. I thought it was great. Right, let me just do the shiver me timbers meaning. It's an exclamation in the form of a mock oath, usually attributed to the speech of pirates in works of fiction. It is employed as a literary device by authors to express shock, surprise, or annoyance. I mean, it made sense then in the context. Yeah, maybe it does. Maybe it does. Shiver my timbers. What? What right, is one? What are one's timbers? Right. That. That's the part I don't have nailed down. Are they pants? 
I don't know. Forever, I always thought it was just like I'm so scared. I'm shaking in my boots, right? And that, but that's how I just kind of mm. heard it right. in my that's life. But I, I never knew what it meant. It was maybe the laconic delivery was confusing too. Like he didn't sound like too shocked. <laughs> yeah. Truly caught off guard. It was a huge selling point for the show um, to the people up on the third floor or or their empty offices up on the third floor. We want people quick on their feet. Look at Mark Sessler. Perfect example. Ah, drops a pirate phrase from 450 years ago. That's what we're looking for. All right, let's get into it. Um, Perhaps progress. I woke up this morning and had a New York Times alert on my phone that, you know, they're they're rolling out some vaccine testing in this COVID-19 world. And who knows, maybe that becomes a huge story and a a, a life-saving scenario for uh, all of us, or maybe it's nothing. Uh, And in the NFL, some more potential optimism, a memo sent to teams for a path to reopening team facilities. It's been laid out to all 32 teams. Roger Goodell sent it out Wednesday, uh, which includes uh, consent from state government officials, establishment of a club infection response team, social distancing and other measures. This is from Tom Pelissero, who reported it late, late last week. All club facilities have been closed since March 25th, as we all know. And now we have an outline of protocols and procedures on the path toward opening them back up. And Greg, for anything to happen in 2020 in terms of a season, whether it's a full season or a truncated season, these buildings have to open. So if they can get that done, it's a big step in the right direction. It's a start. It's not a huge deal, I don't think, because it's just medical personnel. You know, it's not coaches. It's just rehabbing injured players. Until coaches can until coaches can get into the building in every state, they're not going to let any coaches into the building. And we'll see if that takes us through the end of what would have been OTAs and mini camps or not, which would be the end of June. But even in California, you know, everyone was freaked out about the stay at home order, you know, kind of being extended. But the the governor and, and, and the mayor of Los Angeles are opening up different parts of the city daily almost. And and the governor says, you know, some sporting events can be back, you know, in June. And frankly, they already are happening, whether he's allowing it or not. Santa Anita has been racing uh, down in, in San Diego County. So it, we're seeing some pretty good progress, at least that there's hope that camps could open on time. I think that's what everyone's hoping for, I would guess. I don't, I don't know what to trust anymore. I don't right. know what information to trust. I don't know what people to trust. Uh, it seems like one day deaths continue to rise and then the next day everything's opening up and nobody's worried about a second wave or a third wave. Um, so I, I, I'm just taking this as a fluid situation and who knows what will happen. I'm very much with you, Wes. I mean, I you can get drawn into the latest narrative, but then it seems to, to flip um, by the next morning's news cycle. And uh, at the same side, I mean, getting people in for rehab and stuff is an important step. Um, we weren't there two weeks ago. And there's a cast of characters that need legit like team medical help. And so I think that in terms of long term preparation, that matters. Um, but, I, you know, I think with this whole thing that we're seeing the tick of human nature where you've got groups of people saying we've beaten this. But a, a virus doesn't really care about what people want to say, um, you know, through microphones and stuff. It's like it, we have no idea what the future is. So it's very much a wait and see. And it, Feels a lot more probable that they're going to play games now, though, than it did a month ago. In other news, this is uh, a potential uh, huge deal in the NFL. The league is came from Jim Trotter, who reported it on Friday. The NFL is pre- 
proposing a plan to incentivize minority hiring uh, that inc- could, could include an improvement in draft positioning. Uh, Trotter said the league will present a pair of resolutions at tomorrow's virtual meeting to try to create more movement. This comes after an offseason uh, hiring cycle where there were very um, there were many job openings, but again, few minority hires were made both at the head coach and um, management level. The first resolution would remove the barrier that prevents assistance under co- contract with a team to interview for a real coordinator job with another team with Goodell uh, reserving the right to determine if it's an actual coordinator role. And then the big one, the one that everyone's talking about, uh, a team that hires a minority head coach would move up six spots in the third round of the following year's draft. And hiring a minority for the top personnel job would create a 10-spot improvement. Uh, so you can move up your draft order. And, um, Wes, this is, like I said, coming off an offseason where they're just not seeing the gains that they they want and need in evening the scales here. And the Rooney rule, obviously, which was put into effect some time ago, was designed to help minority coaches get jobs, but it's not working in the way they intended. So they're thinking of uh, ramping it up. Your thoughts? Well, sometimes in sports, it's instructive to take a step back and think like somebody who has not been following sports your entire life. And when you look at the NFL and you see on the field, it's almost all black players. And then you see on the sidelines, it's almost all white coaches and the GMs are almost all white. There's just something incongruous there that doesn't make much sense. And the current plan, which seems to be let Bruce Arians handle all of this, doesn't work. (laughs) Um, So I'm not surprised that they went back to the drawing board. My question is, for such a small move up the draft board, and it is a tiny move up the draft board, is it worth the stigma that's going to be attached to a coach or GM who's hired in this fashion. Hmm. I think it's an interesting idea. You know, a lot of people, I think, shot it down without really having any better ideas. Like, I, I think tr- it's a, it's such a problem that trying new ideas make sense, and I think that's what they're going to. But I thought the same thing, Wes, um, less about the stigma. I, I don't know if that would be a concern, uh, although there's certainly a segment of the fan base that, that would probably put a segment on it, and maybe that's what, what you're talking about. And more of that, is it really a that huge of an incentive? I mean, is that really going to y- – yeah, like they're going to try to get every interview possible. It seems like fixing the problem on the core level of like growing young black and, you know – people of color coaches is the bigger issue. It doesn't seem like a big move in the draft. I mean, I don't know. It, it just like people are willing to throw away those sort of moves for anything in the middle of the draft. It just doesn't seem like that huge an incentive to me. Whereas the most of the criticism seemed to be, this is giving away way too much, but I, I just didn't understand that. I feel like we all get a sense when you go through these annual um, firings where there's a, you know, a flood of interviews for each team. And I, I feel where the insult seems to lie a little bit is when you can tell that, Team A, we already know they want to hire this big name, but then they have to bring in a minority candidate to do basically a token interview, where I would imagine in some cases we've seen it turned down because that candidate knows they're not a serious candidate for the job. And so the current incentives, the current plan is not working. I mean, they, the NFL each year has a racial and gender report card, and it was the lowest this past year that it's been in 15 years. And that's, mm. that's kind of shocking. And, you know, Lewis Riddick, to your point, though, 
Wes made a made you know he he had an interview too, and he, he's he's someone that's been looked at as a GM candidate. But he kind of looked at this this proposition and said, "I get it. I think we all get it. But what happens if you get that job um, based off of what seems like an incentivized program, and then you become the GM? And what do people around that team do? They think that." You're, you want to be seen as someone that earned it. And I think it, it, that it, can, it can affect that a little bit. But for a while, I don't know what else to do because it is a critical issue in the league. And there are two GMs right now that are minorities. And there are only four coaches. And one of them is Ron Rivera, who's been around forever. And you look at the QB coaches and the coordinator roles, and there's not enough, to Greg's point, um, growing people into those positions. And that's probably where it starts. Another one of those minority coaches is Anthony Lynn of the Chargers. He spoke to CBS Sports Radio, and he was critical of the plan. He said, I think sometimes you can do the wrong thing while trying to do the right thing. I think this is out of desperation. This is something that we're throwing out there, but it is what it is. You can't make people hire someone they won't, don't want to hire for whatever reason. So we'll see uh, if this is something that moves forward or if it, it stops right where it is as a proposal and they come up with maybe something else. Uh, but it does seem like there will be more changes and, and more help for these minority candidates down the line. We'll see if this is the plan that ends up being used. In other news, bad news uh, around the Giants and Seahawks in the legal realm. Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker, who the team took in the first round last year, and Seahawks cornerback Quinton Dunbar both turned themselves in to the Broward County Jail on Saturday uh, to satisfy arrest warrants in connection with an alleged robbery in Miramar, Florida last week. Uh, this is heavy-duty stuff. There were guns involved, lots of money, and uh, goods stolen, and both players are in the center of it. Uh, DeAndre Baker has been told by the team, the Giants, to stay away from team activities right now, the virtual meetings. And it seems like a situation that could you know, last well into the season potentially and uh, some real legal uh, consequences in uh, the offing potentially. Tough situation here. Yeah, Baker was a first-round pick of Dave Gettleman, and he struggled for most of the last year. And he fell in the draft, you know, because there were, you know, some concerns coming out of school about his focus and off the field and, and all that. And now he's in a situation where it, it's pretty clear reading the, you know, you can just look at his bond. He had to pay $200,000 to get out of jail. Dunbar was half as much. Dun, Dunbar's lawyer at least swears up and down that everyone has recanted that he was there in the first place and he might have an easier legal route out of this. We'll see. Who knows? Um, but Baker, Baker struggled so bad and it's such a serious claim. Who knows? Like I, if you told me he's never a member of the Giants again, like I, I, it's, it seems like it's at that level, but it's hard to guess where, where legal cases are going to go. We're in a weird spot where really the only punishment they could lay on him was you're not invited to the Zoom meeting um, this week. Uh, positionally. And I mean, you know, we're at the point where we're all on, have been on, I think now it's not cool to do zoom meetings with your friends. We're post zoom. The what? We're post zoom, right? It's, it's become tired and all that. But I mean, I I imagine there's a few jabronis out there that after a couple zoom calls with old friends, they said, let's not invite um, uh, Robbie back next time. And I think that's just, (laughs) Baker just got, he got zoomed out of there. Well, he's running around with the guns. I just did the you know, projected starters for NFCs. The Giants have maybe the worst cornerback group in the in the league, or one of them, anyways. If they had Baker, you know, they have James Badbury, Baker, and Sam Beal, and nothing behind those three. And Baker and Beal 
struggled and and our second year players. So it's like the whether whether you know whatever happens with his legal case this is a major problem for Gettleman who kind of invested in Baker as a, as a key part of their future. Unfortunately, Baker is not the only former first round pick from 2019 to run afoul of the law uh, over the last past few d- days. Uh, Bills defensive tackle Ed Oliver arrested on drunk driving charges in Houston over the weekend. Uh, he was found allegedly with a beer between his legs. They searched his car. A gun turns up. Uh, so this could lead to a suspension, perhaps a beefy one for Oliver, who's coming off a promising West rookie year in Buffalo. Now it's just been complicated a bit. Yeah, similar to Baker, there were questions about Oliver's character coming out of college. Um, and to me, like, I'm afraid to go to the grocery store. How are these people partying and committing crimes in the middle of a pandemic? I don't know what's going on. Well, acting <laughs> stupid. They're being goofballs. I mean, I think there's like we always hear there's two Americas. I think there might be a, another division where it's people over 40 and people under 40, the way they're treating the pandemic. Well, I also think where the at least the Baker um, <laughs> incident happened in Florida, it's a different world in Florida right, right now than it is in California. And that comes from the leadership, you know, above the, whether it's the governor or the local mayors or everything. It, it's a different world down there in Miami Beach right now. Well, I'd ask about you this, this real quick. Go ahead, go ahead, Dan. Mark. No, go ahead. I will. I'll go now. <laughs> I, I just was thinking, like, you know, you can include Erica in this. What would, would, would if we had to, over the next week, um, organize a collecting, you know, a large enough arsenal of guns and pull off a bank robbery, what would our chance zero to 100 be of pulling that off successfully? We're not unintelligent individuals, I think, for the most part, but we have no experience in that hmm. realm. Would we just... would? Do we even know how to get guns if we needed to? Am I allowed to even ask this question? I don't know. Walk across the street from the NFL network offices? Right. See, but that that lines out the door when the pandemic started. That's <laughs> not the way we think. So there's another crowd of people that are thinking, I must get guns immediately. And maybe you, rob you a bank. It. Yeah. So you want to go underground to find some illegal firearms before we rob a bank? Well, I don't want to go in empty handed to into the, you know, the North in this co-op, this, I mean, you got to roll in, in there. This dream feet. scenario: Are female assassins involved, uh, taking you out at the end of it? Well, we have Erica attached to us. I wouldn't put her in the mm. assassin category, but we'd all be in new categories. So, I mean, there there was a successful bank robbery right across the street from Ellis's elementary school uh, in the fall. Like straight up old school. The the kids, the neighborhood total lockdown was. She said it was her favorite day of school all year. They just watch movies all day. Um, and, uh, they got away with it old school. So it still happens sometimes. I had a friend that worked at a bank and he said that a lot of people try to rob banks on Friday because you think that people, yeah, but Monday's the day to rob the bank because that's when the Brinks trucks come with all the money for the week. Here we are. Just so if you want to know Monday's the day. I would say this is how to do because I've watched a ton of real crime programs including one recently that uh, profiled a collection of bank robbers that were successful over a long stretch in fact they robbed the same bank three or four times over a 18 month stretch i believe <laughs> that's a bear you don't <laughs> want to do it in la there's there's too many police forces in la you know there's there's just too much heat around here uh in fact there's a a 
a world famous like all time bank robbery here in L.A. that involved the massive shootout with SWAT and all this stuff. We got to get out to a countryside. We got to get out to a kind of podunk town and um, hit that one. One that's not prepared, that doesn't have the police force, and it has to be coordinated. There has to be a getaway driver. There has to be all sorts of knowledge of the inside inner workings of the bank. I, I mean, that's, right. that goes without saying. Got to like be a smart. sleepy ham and egger town. We just ride in. We strike at 8 a.m., and we're out by 8.30 with, you know, seven eight $800,000 each, or, or throw a zero on that, and jewelry. We've got a big problem here. Who among us is the muscle? Well, we operate we in technology. technology who, has, and, who has handled a gun at uh, any point in their lives? Well, that I was think sort of my question. Gun range. I, my, my guess would be Greg. Greg will be the guy, the trigger man. <laughs> Have you but guys we're not going to hurt anybody. Ridden a motorcycle? Yeah, this, is, this is tricky. No, Erica. Another no. bank No fact. motorcycle. See, you're it's too easier. Why you, Dan, I, I come from an inside source. No, a motorcycle okay. is the easiest way to go through the drive through and or to get quicken out another bank that my friend worked at you know they do bank robbery training when you work at the banks and they say that motorcycles are way harder to catch i call sidecar Mm. <laughs> I mean, I like that Mark mentioned we're each on. getting seven. Th- th- I mean, I need a little more to risk it all, you know, than seven G. Well, no, but they, oh, you sure. learn on the small banks. <laughs> you know, they only have so much in the coffers, and then we'll then we then we'll strike big in like Seattle. Two other things to be wary of: the silent alarm that's is right underneath the um, the counter where the teller is. Got to make sure that person doesn't compromise it. And also, they put the paintball thing in the bags of money; they explode. And then the money is both traceable and worthless. So just just a lot of stuff we want to do is we got to take it off pod. We don't need a gun. You just hand them a note, tell them to keep quiet, and hand over the money. Um. <laughs> all right, that's what's happening in the news. There's a couple more things, but we we kind of ate up the time with the uh, bank robbery talk. Well. Sorry, that that shook out. Will Todd Gurley be healthy for the Falcons out of the rundown? <laughs> we have no answers to that question. <laughs> Neither does Dirk it Cutter. Is, no, I it, it is perhaps notable that Dirk Cutter is openly wondering if Todd Gurley is healthy after taking him on. That That's a bit interesting. He's saying the quiet part out loud. I mean, Todd Gurley's was fourth. For, well, we'll move on. But yeah, he was fourth in the league in snaps back to back years. People honking a lot about uh, a guy who plays a lot. He just hasn't been that good. Mm, that's fair. All right, let's move on. It's time to get into it. It is the curious case of the MVP quarterback and the invisible team. And we're going to go through four NFL franchises who have been linked to Cam Newton, the great Cam Newton, the unemployed Cam Newton. And this is how we'll do it. Um, one of us will be the plaintiff. One of us will be the defendant for each of the four cases. Okay. I'll do a little double duty as a judge if I need to keep things under control in the Judge Wapner role, but I'm going to try to stay out of the way as the judge and let the plaintiff and the defendant do what they have to do. Ricky, um, none of this pop culture is uh, ephemera is connecting with you, I'm sure, but uh, you would be the Doug Llewellyn hypothetically, (laughs) who is kind of just in the studio talking low into a microphone. Um, I'll, I'll let you know if we need you for that. You've got Doug Llewellyn vibes, though. I feel it. 
I'm sure that's an insult. Um, but I <laughs> like don't you're know. The muscle. You're the muscle. No, you're just a know. solid court reporter. He was, he was, yeah, he was good. <laughs> Doug Llewellyn was not the muscle of the people's court. <laughs> anyway, all right, let us get into it. Real quick, Ricky. Whoa. The verdict. Are you guilty of lazy, cliched thinking, shrinking from the challenge of giving your organization the best chance to mm. win? Guilty or not guilty? All right. I like that. <laughs> See, Wes just amped up the stakes considerably. Hit it, Ricky. Denver Broncos up first. This is the plaintiff. Me, Dan Hansis. He contends that the Denver Broncos are making a huge mistake by ignoring a major need at quarterback. He's suing for franchise negligence and emotional abuse on the fan base. This is the defendant, Chris Wessling. He believes the Denver Broncos and John Elway are right to throw their support behind Drew Locke, a promising second-year passer who guided the team to four wins in the final five games of the season. Let's get into it. What you are witnessing is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in a California municipal court. Both parties have agreed to dismiss their court cases and have their disputes settled here in our forum, the People's Court. All right, let's get into it. The plaintiff speaks first. That's me. Listen, Wes, I know I know the Broncos. That's your team. They're your boys. And I and I get that John Elway is a man that inspires confidence, even if he's had swings and misses. And he's even promised us he's got a lot more swings and misses in him before they send him packing. Uh, but as I've said on this pod many times before now in this offseason, it seems very strange to use a five-game sample from Drew Locke and then build a playoff caliber roster all around this young uh, former second round pick, and then just say he's the guy because you want him to be the guy. And I'll tell you what I did, Wes, and you'll be proud of me for this. I went back and I watched those Drew Locke starts because I've been getting so many, I've been getting killed by Broncos Twitter. And I watched those Drew Locke starts and I came away largely meh about the whole thing. I think he averaged about six and a half yards per attempt. Uh, he showed good mobility uh, and the ability to keep plays alive. He's got a nice arm, but he also a lot of boneheaded mistakes. Of course, he's a rookie and that is to be expected, but that was something that was the MO on him going back to college, that he is a guy that made a lot of bad decisions. And it just seems ridiculous to me that Drew Locke and then a couple of Hammenagers uh, beneath him on the depth chart, all due respect to, I believe, Jeff Driscoll and somebody who's worse than Jeff Driscoll, that with Cam Newton sitting out there and an otherwise playoff-ready roster, that you wouldn't seriously consider slash go through with bringing in Cam and giving yourself that safety net. I rest my case. Biatch. <laughs> well, out of order. Let me first state that Cam Newton is not a backup quarterback. He's a starting quarterback in the NFL, and it makes no sense for a team with a 2019 draft pick to bring him in as an undermining force. He makes sense more with an established quarterback 
who might be injury prone and you need a high caliber backup there in case of emergency. Drew Locke was the top quarterback on our board in 2019 above Kyler Murray. We almost picked him in the first round. We traded up to get him in the second round. We like him. We like his college tape. And anyone who doubts he has what it takes to be a long-term starter in Denver should go rewatch the Texans game over and over again. Aggressive downfield, tight window throws outside the numbers, throws his tight end open for a TD, made plays late in the down through improvisation. One of the hardest quarterbacks to sack through his five starts in the entire league. We've surrounded this guy with the talent he needs to succeed because we believe he is a first-round quarterback who just happened to fall to the second round. And you want the truth? I'll level with you. <laughs> All of us in the AFC West are the Bill Pulley and Colts. If the starter goes down, we're screwed. The Chiefs are head and shoulders above the rest of the, mm. of the division. If we lose Drew Locke, we're not winning the division. So why, why bother undermining his confidence or confuse the team about who our quarterback is when we know if he gets injured, we're just not winning the division? What kind of way is that to to run a football team then? Realism. Say, oh, sir. we're done. He has this guy has to be a star, or what? What are we even doing here? Your job as a team builder, John. Am I talking to John Elway, or am I talking to Wes? You're I talking to John Elway. Okay, John, this one's for it, you, Dan. Uh, if <laughs> very good. If if my job as team builder is to make sure this team stays afloat, that I have them fully prepared, that I'm giving my head coach the best opportunity to win, I owe it to the fans and the team to build a roster where we're not shipwrecked if a second-round pick who had the question marks all around him coming into the league uh, doesn't become the star. I mean, they you can't leave the cupboard bare uh, behind Drew Locke, you just, it's just irresponsible. And John Elway and John, I don't mean I want to be disrespectful, but like you stink at this. You, you've been you've proven time and time oh. again. Order well, in the court. <laughs> order in the court. That was disrespectful. Um, I'm sorry. I, I withdraw that. But there's been a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that you do not know what you're doing at the quarterback position. A lot of irony there, given your background as a quarterback, but it's the truth. How? Wh- why should I give you the benefit of the doubt? That's my closing comments. Well, I'm not going to take this personally. You raise a good point. My job is to give this team the best chance to win, and people like you, you have the luxury of thinking like a fan. I have to think like a general manager. My job is to put Drew Locke in the best position to succeed. And that's a responsibility I have to an organization, to an ownership group, to my fans. The guy who I believe has what it takes to succeed, I cannot undermine him. I have to give this franchise the best chance. And to me, the best chance is to make sure Drew Locke is, is a successful quarterback. I mean, this is turning into the OJ trial. What are, let's get to a verdict here. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> we don't need anything from the galley. Nothing from the peanut gallery. All right. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, you're in the Judge Wapner role here. Uh, what is your verdict? Oh, I, uh, <laughs> my decision <laughs> resides with the prosecution. John Elway, you're guilty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next case. This is the plaintiff, Greg Rosenthal. He believes the Washington Redskins have numerous reasons to believe Dwayne Haskins is not the long-term answer quarterback. And they cannot pass on the opportunity to bring a former MVP into the building. He is suing for lack of organizational common sense. Mm. (laughs) 
This is the defendant, Mark Sessler. He believes Dwayne Haskins never received a fair shake in his first season and that the former first-round pick deserves more time to reach his potential in our league. Well, I get that everyone wants to just shove Cam Newton onto uh, any team in the league at this point and tell everyone how great that would be. Um, and it does fit for a bunch of teams, I think. And I see why it would. I, it does not fit for our Washington Redskins. And I'm going to tell you why right now. Uh, we have Ron Rivera in the building. We have Scott Turner in the building. And while you can pitch the argument that these guys have worked with Cam and know him, they also had a chance and still have a chance to go get Cam Newton or make it clear to Cam Newton that they're, they're interested. And there has not been so much as a quiet fart on that front. Not a whisper. There's no interest. Because hey, hey, not- hey, order, order. Course well, language is not accepted in the courtroom. I am sorry, Your Honor, but I, I, I believe in the point that the Redskins – have a belief that Dwayne Haskins was not given the same type of chance that other first-round quarterbacks were given last year. You had Bill Callahan have to take over a team, and you know, with all due respect to what Bill Callahan did, you're not going to get a good look at a rookie quarterback and a frazzled offense that wants to run the ball 50 times a game and close out contests in two hours and three minutes. He needs more time. He needs better coaching. And it's basically your tangling narratives. And you want to talk about the Redskins as disorganized. It's go draft a first-round quarterback that you can't really even argue has had a fair shake. And then go bring in a veteran that's going to completely disrupt his development. And on a non-win-now team, not even a great situation Mm. for Cam Newton, frankly, you're going to have fans calling for Cam Newton to displace Haskins immediately or as soon as the team um, encounters trouble, which will be, be about eight minutes into the first quarter of week one. And then you're, that's the team you're going to be dealing with total chaos. And that's what Ron Rivera was brought there to neutralize. That's enough alter. filibustering. That's enough filibustering. <laughs> you don't bring in Cam Newton. I mean, uh, you, you start listening to these fans, uh, you, you'll be one of them. I mean, the Redskins have been listening to their fans and making emotional decisions for too long. It, until you have a quarterback, just keep bringing them in. Don't worry about it. The only good decision the Redskins ever made at quarterback really over the last few years was drafting Kirk Cousins in the same draft as Robert Griffin III. You get two. You don't worry about the fans saying, oh, that's a bad pick. Uh, you know, we don't we don't need them here. You just, you just see what happens. And in terms of like wait until next year, I mean, this organization, they've been waiting until next year forever. We got an adult in the building, Ron Rivera. Let's just start. I would say start one getting, final let's thing. Let's start getting classy. I, I love when this show evaluates quarterbacks after one season because I we've like never been Haskins wrong about more- that. I like Dwayne Haskins more than than any um, I think of of the four of us uh, in this courtroom. Then if he's the guy that we think he can be, then he'll go be great in this offense. He'll he'll show a lot of promise and he'll win that job. It, it can't hurt to have two quarterbacks. I've heard enough. Chris enough. Wessling, Judge Wessling, your uh, your final thoughts, Your Honor. Verdict, please. I, I find the Redskins guilty of lazy, cliched thinking. And also of thinking that Kyle Allen's a better quarterback than Cam Newton. Give me a break with that one. They thought it last year down the stretch, and they think it again this year. Sorry. Guilty. Let's move on. This is the plaintiff, Mark Zessler, back for another go-around. He believes the Pittsburgh Steelers are showing far too much faith in Ben Roethlisberger, a 38-year-old quarterback coming off reconstructive elbow surgery. He's suing for franchise negligence and abuse of blind faith. (laughs) 
This is the defendant, the old Zeuser. He believes that Big Ben has shown progress in his recovery from surgery and deserves the benefit of the doubt for sustained greatness over a Hall of Fame career. Mr. Sessler? This one's pretty simple to me. It's not an argument of Cam Newton is better than Big Ben or offers more than Big Ben, but this is a team that even last year, with Big Ben out of the lineup and a rash of other injuries, was still knocking on the playoff door a couple with a couple weeks to go in the season. And if you're Cam Newton, you want to go somewhere where, let's be honest, you are not a starter at this point in terms of most teams bringing you in. You want to go to a quality organization where you have a chance to basically show the league once again, here's who I am, and a year from now, I will be starting elsewhere. And I think that this, to me, has a little bit of a Teddy Bridgewater to the Saints type vibe to it, where Cam Newton is probably going to get a chance to play two or three very critical games for the Steelers in place of Big Ben just based on history. That's a roll of the dice. Um, And if he does, he's in an offense that can sing right away. You're not dealing with a, a, a bottom five scenario there. Cam Newton can come in and be very productive, um, be an immediate fan favorite. The defense is a Super Bowl defense, and you can trust Mike Tomlin to do right by you. And while I don't like the idea of Cam Newton going and having to blow up a young rookie starter who a team believes in. Um, I do like this as a Super Bowl window operation. They certainly see themselves that way, even if maybe some do not. Um, a playoff contender getting stronger at quarterback. We They have nothing behind Big Ben that I trust at this point. It blew up their season a year ago. I think it's a great situation for the players around them if Big Ben goes down. And look, Cam Newton may be someone you could use in that offense alongside Big Ben. And I would say this as a final note, we need to see what Big Ben is. And if there's any reason he's 60% of Big Ben or his beard is weighing him down too much, I know he got it trimmed. He looks looks real sharp right now. But Big Ben injuries have sidelined this team too many times over the course of his long and celebrated run with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cam Newton makes a lot of sense. We need to start looking at Ben Roethlisberger as a different case here. This is not... Drew Locke. This is not Dwayne Haskins. This is a guy that has been a star for a long time. So the idea of bringing in Cam Newton would create a circus. You can't have Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton on the same roster together. It is not a situation that's going to do anything but turn the Steelers into a circus. That's not what this organization is about. They don't do things that way. They do not bring Tim Tebow in. They don't do uh, circus-type maneuvers out of desperation. And I think the way here is to look at what Big Ben's doing in his workouts and his rehabs and what we're seeing. Uh, he just released a video uh, that he's throwing the ball. He looks good. He looked, you know, he looked a little bulbous. I'm going to be fair. It's a little heavier last time at the, at the end of last season. But you see him throwing and working out. Uh, this past week, and he looks like Big Ben to me. And now, to to calm any other and alleviate any other fears, Mark, he is trimming the beard back, so you don't have that scary mountain man vibe to him, like a guy that's lost all grip with society, and he's gonna go Ted Kaczynski in a cabin somewhere. This man's ready to play football and play at a high level. And I don't need Cam Newton coming in here and mucking up the whole situation. No disrespect to the former MVP. All right, well, Godspeed with your bulbous quarterback. (laughs) Formerly bulbous. Temporarily bulbous.
He's can big I boned. Tag, can I tag in here as Christopher Darden? <laughs> Darden, Bob. What is this circus talk? How is this any different than Drew Brees and Jameis Winston? You make it clear that Cam Newton's the backup. He's an upgrade on Mason Rudolph, and then you fly. Mm. Drew, well Brees, said. Drew Brees. It is not well said. It's poorly said. It's well said. Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer. So is Drew Brees. No, Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer. Cam Newton is an MVP. You're you're likening Cam Newton to Jameis Winston. Nobody knows what Cam Newton is. Gets. Nobody knows what Cam James Newton is, Winston just like is Andrew a, Luck in the summer two years ago. Jameis Winston is a deeply inconsistent quarterback who threw so many interceptions this past year that the fact that he threw 30-plus touchdowns and 5,000 yards was wiped away. He got dumped and had to sign almost at the veteran minimum. Cam Newton's a former MVP. At least this somebody revolutionized the quarterback position in the last decade. You can't compare the two guys. It would, it's a totally different scenario in terms of what it does. <laughs> Hey, Peyton Manning's available too. What happened two years ago doesn't matter. Ooh. All right, we we go to the judge. Mm. Uh, well, obviously not going to be Wes. I'll go to Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, despite um, the first use of bulbous I've heard since a description of Bill Clinton's nose, that, that was pretty much the only time I've ever heard the word bulbous. It's just always talking about that bulbous <laughs> nose. And, and really strong arguments. I got to go with the prosecution, Mark Sessler here. Gutless behavior by the Steelers. <laughs> All right. Mark needed the win. That's fine. Final one. How dare you? This is the plaintiff, Chris Wessling. He believes that the Patriots' decision to part ways with Tom Brady, then fail to address the quarterback position in a substantial way, has set up the organization for potential incompetence in 2020. He's suing for franchise negligence and belief in false gods. <laughs> This is the defendant, Greg Rosenthal. This is what I've been waiting for. The scientist going at it. He believes the Patriots have never done anything wrong, and Bill Belichick is completely and totally infallible. (laughs) Mr. Wessling? Jared Stidham drafted on day three, which means he was evaluated by the NFL as a backup coming out of college. Due to a strong preseason, salary cap issues, and the absence of Tom Brady, he is now seen as a savior. But how relevant is the preseason? Right there on your roster, you have Chase Winovich, the preseason defensive player of the year, who went on to play about 290 snaps out of 1,000 during the season. How relevant is that? You have a fourth-round pick who outplayed Stidham in the preseason, Ryan Finley for the Bengals. They decided halfway through the year he was their answer and better than Andy Dalton. He lasted a few starts. We saw he was a backup. A backup. That's what he is. Uh, Why bring in Cody Sessler after the pick six? If you thought he was good enough, if you thought he was good enough to be your future starter, you'd have kept him on as your backup in the middle of the season. There is no Cody Sessler. You're out of order. Boston Sports Journal. I jump in. Boston Sports Journal says Jared Stidham evaluated by the Patriots themselves as being a year away from ready to start for this team. So uh, to Mr. me, Rosenthal. yeah, go ahead, Greg, defend your team. Um, were you or were you not um, the same person who said just a few minutes ago, if you just have a 2019 draft pick, why do you want to confuse everything by bringing in 
uh, a veteran? Were you just, it's a yes or no question. I did not say that. I said, said a 2019 early round pick. <laughs> was uh, was Jared Stidham or not expected to be a first round pick before, uh, you know, he would, before his senior season? Yes, like Javon Sneed a few years back. <laughs> uh, how, how often have you watched Jared Stidham at practice? Never. So uh, how often has the, you know, the greatest coach of all time watched him at practice? Uh, enough times to say this was not by design, having only Jared Stidham as and our So do you think you have a better evaluation process than the greatest coach of Badgering all time? Badgering the witness. I do not. I also don't believe that he believes. Are you aware of the 1,000 meals that Jarrett Stidham and his wife have given away um, to families in need during the pandemic? So we found something he does better relevant. than quarterback. Strike that from the record. That's irrelevant. <laughs> How is that irrelevant? irrelevant. That, is, that is part of uh, the process of being Mr. Rosenthal, I'm warning you. Be careful here. Do you want to be – hey, look at your boy Nick Saban. Do you want to be the Nick Saban of the Dolphins? You refuse to bring in a guy because you have questions about his shoulder. You want to be the Nick Saban Dolphins for the next decade? Ooh, look when you've got a right. guy, when you've got a backup quarterback like uh, like Brian Hoyer there. You just don't want. Oh, who am I kidding? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> you should wow. sue all these teams for malpractice. This is Cam Newton we're talking about. He should be in the league. What are you all doing, YouTube Patriots? I'm going back to uh, pro bono. I quit. Somebody get a straight jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you want your lawyer to act there. For just the defendant. You know. <laughs> just de- Jack I don't Nicholson think Robert going to be happy about his counsel here. <laughs> I thought that guy had good lawyers. It seems like that guy's got great lawyers. I want someone else on <laughs> the wall. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, Mark, clean this up as the as uh, the judge here. I don't know what even to make of what we just saw. Well, I have to almost throw the the case out. I mean, you have to take this back to square one. But based on what I saw, um, I think, you know, football in general, Bill Belichick is someone that has always wanted to get the best possible player. Um, I remember when the Cleveland Browns under Bill Belichick had Bernie Kosar. As verdict, the, your honor. Well, this is this is, you know, you're you're using past cases and a past old, case would be Bernie Kosar here thinks he's Cleveland, the star of the show. And Belichick brought in Vinny Testaverde caused all sorts of problems. Jared Stidham is not. Bernie Kosar, I don't see why you don't do this. I'm with Wes. And by the way, Wes seems to be one of the two sides, the two lawyers that believed in his own case. (laughs) I like your use of precedence. That's very um, precedent, baby. Yeah. Well done, everyone. And that is great about Wapner. He was very efficient with his words, you know, when he (laughs) (laughs) not us, not a known bloviator that judge Wapner. All right. Tune in next week for uh, more cases here at the people's court. This is adjourned. What is it called? This courtroom is adjourned. That's it. Nice work. All right. Before we go, good stuff. I don't know what we accomplished there, but, you know, that was fun. Um, (laughs) It is now time. Yes, we get uh, people complain. We get complaints sometimes, not all the time, but occasionally that certain teams don't get enough coverage on our podcast. This is the Around the NFL podcast, and it does – Uh, I suppose makes sense that every team gets equal coverage. That said, that's impossible. It's just not the way uh, it's not the way any podcast can operate taking notes and to the second, to the minute, to the hour, how much love each team gets. A team only gets as much love as uh, they're interesting to us really, but 
what we're introducing here in the middle of a pandemic with, let's be honest, some minutes to kill is a, a new recurring segment where we will choose one team at random, select it at the end of a Monday show, and then devote an entire segment to that team uh, and prove to you that we do care about your team. Your team matters. And we'll uh, put our heads together after each Monday show, uh, decide who is the best kind of outside beat right or beat reporter or whomever to connect with. We'll have a guest involved on each show, ideally. That will give a uh, in-depth perspective, uh, someone who's covering the team on a day-to-day basis. So we're really going to have fun with this. Also, we're going to, as a group, it will be a homework assignment for us that we will do our studies and we'll do some reading and learn up and learn more about these teams uh, before we have a nice conversation on Wednesday because nobody wants uh, ill-informed jabronis talking about their team. That's a real, Greg, that's a real test, as you know from going back a long time now at PFT. If someone's going to read about or listen to their team, they want the national people to have a general idea, not just general, but an actual idea of what's going on, not brush strokes, broad strokes, that we're we're going in with a fine, detailed, uh, tiny comb, right? Trickiest part about going national. You got you got to be able to match the hometown uh, fan base, at least like 80, 90 percent, you know, uh, in, for all 32 teams. This will be a great test. So for one show, at least we will match. Uh, that level of coverage and Erica worked behind the scenes to get us a wheel of teams that you uh, can see here. If you're watching a video component of our show, we're going to spin the wheel and uh, being completely honest and transparent. We do not know where this wheel lands. That has been set up. Ricky, can you jump in for a second and just explain to the audience the mechanics behind this, that there's no way to throw this in any way? Yep. I was sent it via the graphics team. It's programmed that once it lands on a team, it gets cut from the wheel um, and there will be no repeats. So once it lands and I'm, I was afraid to even press it for the first time. So I don't even know where it's going to land. Okay. So this is the moment of truth. And, and Mark people, if it lands on the jets or Browns, we're going to catch hell here. Right. But again, this is completely randomized and uh, that's just the way it is. But the odds are it will not hit the Jets, Browns, Patriots, Bengals, Broncos, Colts, our favorite teams. It will hit on another team, but there's only one way to find out, right, Wes? Well, I think the Jets, Browns, and Patriots should be taken off the board. No, Wes. Ooh. No, that's not how this Do you guys works. want to take your pick who you feel Sorry, like? Sorry, that has to be unanimous. you have a gut feeling? I mean, it's 1-32, in 32, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a strong well, feeling it's going to land on the Cardinals. Hmm. Okay. I am almost certain, just because it's been talked up, it will be the Jets or Browns. <laughs> uh, Vikings. <laughs> All right. Spin it, Ricky. I don't guess. There's no money on the line. Oh! The Arizona Mark. Cardinals! I mean, I, told you, you, I had told you did... I had a feeling, so. <laughs> he had a Sessler. Wow. I want everyone to realize that Mark's saying that he did not see the wheel. There has been no wheel. Mark just accurately predicted that the Arizona Cardinals will be the focus of our Wednesday show. Yeah, I also did my that, research. Mark, another W for you. I also did my research on the Cardinals um, over the weekend. So I just, you know, I felt very confident <laughs> that would be the case. It's very convincing. As a beat reporter. Convincing surprise from Erica, too. I thought it was great all the way around. <laughs> Wait, I really didn't know. We didn't know. Good. 
It was good. Dan's probably a little annoyed this happened because it feels like the fix is in, but it was was genuinely. Greg, not so subtly trying to undermine the segment as usual by saying Ricky knew what it was. Mark she with did, a blind guess. It to Mark, if she hadn't said anything, then it wouldn't have been as big a giveaway. I swear, I swear on Thor that I did not text anyone or, no, right, or look I, at it. Greg, why are you eating do. lunch in the middle of the podcast? No, we're, yeah, we're done. It's like one thirty now, you know? <laughs> it also just happens to be first alphabetically among the teams. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, that's something to track Atlanta. for now. Atlanta yes. Falcons. No, no, that's wrong. R comes before it T. Is Arizona. So uh, tune in Wednesday. Any Cardinals fans out there, this is a special show for you. Uh, it will not be the only thing we talk about on Wednesday. All we'll have the news and anything else going on. Uh, so uh, check in on Wednesday, our next audio show. And, yes, a reminder, every Friday, the Ram the NFL broadcast uh, on NFL Network. All right. That's it. Good stuff, everybody. Monday's over from a work component angle. That's good. <laughs> for but you. Brian continues, though. Yeah. All right, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Rick Hollywood behind the glass. Congratulations, Arizona Cardinals. You will fly with us on Wednesday. Till then. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.